Now on Netflix. Inspired by the unbelievable true story of a fake hitman comes the new movie, Hitman, from Academy Award nominee Richard Linklater. At 96% certified fresh on Rotten Tomatoes, critics are calling Hitman a smart, sexy crime thriller with surprises at every turn. Starring Glenn Powell and Adria Arjona, Hitman. Now playing on Netflix and in select theaters. Rated R. Warning. The following podcast, which contains strong language and mature content, is unsuitable for children or for the faint of heart. The subject matter discussed will be frightening and graphic in nature. Listener discretion is advised. When you want to hear about the paranormal, you get the spook. Girls, true crime that makes you hypothermal with the three spooked girls. Stabby snippets will give you dreams. Tara and Jessica will make you Hey Spooksters, and welcome back to another episode here on Three Spooked Girls. My name is Tara, and as always, I am here with my ghoul friend, Jessica. Hey! Hello! And today, I am bringing you a spooky stabby. So, we're going to talk about a haunted house. It's been a hot minute since we've talked about a haunted house. I don't even remember the last haunted house we talked about, now that I'm, like, saying this out loud. It's been, like, (laughs) a long time. Yeah, a long fucking time. So today, I'm going to be telling y'all about the Cernsey House out of Georgia. And I accidentally came across it and thought it would be an interesting one to discuss. So this haunt is about a man named Alan Powell Cernsey and his family, which is made up of his wife, Wealthy. (laughs) I'm like, how is that a name? It's like, like, every time I read it. (laughs) It's like, I want my daughter to be wealthy. I'm going to name her Wealthy. (laughs) Could you imagine if you were the daughter, they were like... Meh, we hope she does well. (laughs) Mid-level manager. (laughs) Oh, God. (laughs) And they had eight children together. They had Millard, age 20, Samuel, age 15, Clementine, age 13, Biggio, age 6, Robert, age 4, Layla, age 8, and John and Sarah. Now, John and Sarah's ages weren't listed as they weren't on the census as living in the house during this time. I do know John moved out, but I'm not sure what exactly the details were with Sarah. I think it is she also moved out because there was no mention of any death or anything like that on record. Makes sense. Yes. So Alan was a sawmill operator, and he was the one who found the town of Cernsey, Georgia. I mean, it's their last name, so, you know. They had settled there in the 1850s, and it was chartered in 1904. Now, this is about 90 miles southwest of Savannah, Georgia, which we have talked about on numerous occasions because if you live under a rock, that place is haunted AF. And fun fact, it is around this time, Cernsey was known as the railroad cross-tie center of the world. Interesting. (laughs) 
Right? I know. I mean, for like the 18 to 1900s, how many fun facts can you really have? So, you know. It was noted that there were up to five carloads a day going out on the Southern Railway. This made the town grow at a pretty decent rate. There were several general stores, a grocery store, drugstore, hotels, and a cotton gin and grist mill. Now, the the Cernsey family, I don't know why I'm having a hard time saying their name, guys. I am sorry. Would live on their property for over 20 years without any incident, which is kind of interesting because anytime we've done a haunted house, it's like, boom, demons or whatever the fuck. You know what I mean? (laughs) (laughs) Like shortly after moving in. Insta haunt. Haunt. Haunt you now. (laughs) But so after they're moving in, in 1872, this is when activity would begin. Now, it's said that his daughter, Clem, was thought to be the first one to experience anything from this entity. So on November 17th of 1872, she was outside waiting for Alan to get home from work. And this was something she did every day. He had to work later than normal, so it was starting to get dark out, but don't worry, he legit was just, like, working late, didn't die, he's alive, he'll show up. (laughs) And she sees a figure of a man at the end of their driveway, but can't make out who it is, because, like I said, getting dark. Next thing she knows, things are essentially being thrown at her, like sticks and rocks, and obviously she moves out of the way to avoid getting hit and doesn't. But the objects come really close to hitting her, though. And while she's moving, of course, she looks away from the figure and looks back and it's just gone. And there had been some of their parents' friends, her mom and the kid's uncle who were there. So Clem went inside and didn't tell their guests what happened, but instead went straight to her mom. And something I want to note here is that besides this one incident with Clem, all of the activity to follow doesn't involve any apparitions or shadow people they experienced poltergeist activity. And it apparently did not like the fact that she was about to tell someone what happened because when Clem walked through the passage that led to the kitchen, she could hear items landing on the property, so it was still throwing shit. Throwing a tantrum. It's fine. And as she entered the kitchen, small brick ends called brick bats was said to, quote, rain down from all sides, end quote. Obviously, Wealthy called out for their guests who were males to see if they could find who was doing this because, you know, she didn't want to go investigate herself because they're throwing fucking bricks, so I don't blame her. But they could not find anybody on the property. And then immediately, pots, pans, dishes, all of that was flying all around the room. And it was also said that the coffee pot got overturned and the cutlery skidded along the floor. And if that's not enough, sticks started falling from the ceiling and vases and photos fell on the floor. So this poltergeist is fucking shit up. Now, Alan, he would mosey on in at about 9 p.m. And everybody was like, holy fucking shit. Here's what happened. And obviously he was kind of like, what the fuck? But he trusted them and that, you know, like this did happen. He's like, why would they lie about this to me? That makes no fucking sense. But what I found interesting and why I chose it is because it kept getting compared to the Bell Witch, which y'all know we love her. And y'all know that's the third spooked girl. So, you know, it's all good. That's why I had to be like, all right, let's see what the fuck this is. And after that, they had a few weeks of quiet before this poltergeist came back and shit was hitting the fan. So I made a list of all the different things this thing was fucking doing because it was busy. So they have listed... Just some of the stuff that happened there was unexplained screams, disembodied voices, more plates, platters, and books 
flew from the shelves. Ink bottles, quote, leapt off a table. Doors opened and closed by unseen hands. The hands of the clock spun fast and even moved backwards. A chime clock struck 13. Hot bricks fell from nowhere and landed on the roof and in the yard. A pair of boots trod across the floor on their own. At mealtimes, objects on the dinner table would dance around. Logs rolled out of the fireplace. I'm presuming on fire. <laughs> Several hogs <laughs> Several hogs and chickens appeared in the living room seemingly from nowhere, and bed covers rolled up and down at night. So, I think I would be more freaked out by the, the things. just random pig in my living room. Right, the animals? Because it's like, okay, I get poltergeist can like move shit and all of that, but like it's making animals appear that you don't fucking have. Like, I mean, in a way, it's giving you presents. I, I mean, yeah, I was going to be like, on one hand, cool. But on the other hand, that makes me scared for what else it could conjure up. <laughs> right. Like, if you were That's like, all. hmm, <laughs> I really want a new pig. And then all of a sudden, a new pig showed up. You'd be like, a nice poltergeist. <laughs> Gets me what I want. It's misunderstood. It's helpful AF. God right? Damn. They're like, totally freaked out. It's like, I thought that's what you wanted. You were talking about it earlier. <laughs> Jeez, trying to be helpful. You guys are assholes. Oh, my God. Okay, so obviously, so this was a small town, of course. Word traveled fast. Reporters and others near the area would travel to see if they could see things for themselves. And the crowd started small, so like 10 or so people, but then it spread more. So the crowds would increase to about 75 people, and from there it was reported that 500 people came by in just one day. That's a lot of fucking people. It is. Now, skeptics think this was just a ploy to make money, because back, I mean, even now people fake shit for money, but like, Back then, it was like a whole thing. But Alan let everyone come for free. They didn't charge a single dime. Nothing. Alan. So they did not profit off of this. Missing out on an opportunity. I mean, that's a missed opportunity. <laughs> but it does show like they were just being like, no, look, what the fuck, you know? And a reporter named, oh, God, Mr. Lundestruth was sent by his employer to investigate and two other dudes went with him. One was named Mr. Mason and the other Mr. James Campbell. It is noted they got into town before sunrise and went to the house. Now, everyone was asleep, so obviously the house was quiet and dark, but the front door was unlocked. So they let themselves in and they started up the fireplace while they waited for the family to wake up, which I'm kind of like, that's fucking weird. But I'm assuming the family knew they were coming. But still, I don't know. They just wake up, wake up and there's these three dudes just chilling. It's fine. They said not much happened besides a few knocks on the wall, and then a couple times they heard heavy thuds as though someone had fallen out of bed. So, yeah, I'm pretty sure it was like this was all planned and everything because it said that Alan, quote, awoke and greeted them heartily and confirmed all the stories that the reporter and gentleman have heard. And then he tells them the origin story, like everything I just told you guys a few minutes ago, and all of that. And he mentions the clock, and what a coincidence. This reporter was also a watchmaker, so he took the clock apart to check for anything wrong with it that could have, you know, caused it to be malfunctioning, but nothing. He even checked for magnets. No, nothing. Now, nothing else would happen until about a quarter to 12 when a pair of scissors jumped from the table to the chair. Poltergeist getting a little stabby stabby. Hmm. And the reporter was in a chair when a brick bat fell beside him so hard it actually broke. And when he picked it up, he said it was hot. Ooh. And the other two men tried to break the brick by throwing it on the floor, but neither of them were able to do so. So 
The reporter put the piece on the windowsill to take it home, only to have it fall right in front of him and break in two again. And then he decided it was time to leave it at the house. He was like, I'm not taking that. Smart. Yes. And similar poltergeist activity happened, so they were obviously convinced. Now, something I didn't mention earlier, but I'm going to now, is that Alan actually wrote into a Savannah newspaper, and I think this is kind of how this blew up as well. He had said, quote, A few minutes after my arrival, I saw the glass tumblers begin to slide off the slab and the crockery fall upon the floor and break. The books began to tumble from their shelves to the floor, while brickbats, billets of wood, smoothing irons, biscuits, potatoes, tin pans, water buckets, pitchers, etc. began to fall in different parts of my house. There have been many other strange occurrences around my house, about my house. These are the facts established by 75 to 100 witnesses, end quote. Along with this, the Greenville Enterprise also talked about a theory that was going around. So Wealthy and Clem went to, the na- went to a neighbor's house during this, which at first I was like, what the fuck? But apparently a lot of the haunts and happenings were around Clem. So there is or was a theory that the poltergeists were connected with females, particularly those in puberty age range. Her. And the fact that the activity stopped at the home and then started at this house that they were staying at definitely supports this, that maybe this entity or energy was following her. The Greenville Enterprise said, quote, Mrs. Surrency and her daughter did leave home during the week and went to Mrs. Patterson's with the intention of remaining there. And as soon as they arrived at his house, the identical proceedings enacted at Mr. Surrency's began began at Mr. Patterson's and ceased at the Surrency's as soon as the ladies left. They remained at the Patterson's for a few hours and not wishing to have his household goods so badly destroyed and determined to return home. Miss Surrency remained at Mr. Patterson's and her mother returned. As soon as she arrived home about sunset, the very same freaks began again. They ceased at Patterson's when she left there and had never returned, though the young lady remained. Okay, so that's kind of contradictory. And as seen there by your correspondent and friends, these strange things have never happened except when Mrs. Surrency was present, always ceased when she left. And it was very clear, assuming it would be from a supernatural source, that she is the medium through which it acted. She stated to us that she'd never been mesmerized, never saw a mesmerist or spiritualist that she knows of, read a work of spiritualism, and has never thought of it, end quote. Okay, so like the theories, it was connected to Clem, but really it's, if you go by off of that from the newspaper, it was connected to wealthy. Now, the Surrency family sought help from clergy members, scientists, psychics, and mediums, but had no luck getting rid of the spirit. And what was interesting was John, the son who wasn't on the census for the home, later would talk with the media years, years after on things happening at this house, saying it wasn't Clem who had the first experience. It was actually his mom. He said that one day she was sewing and heard a noise but ignored it. Tons of kids, so that makes sense. And when she heard it again and looked up, a pitcher was rocking like it was about to fall over. So she got up to stop it and checked to see if her kids were messing with her, like had a string on it, something like that, but no. So then she sat down and then a door slammed. She was annoyed at this point and went to check the house, but no one else was there. She denied it being any sort of paranormal activity and said it was because of the wind. Okay, wealthy, this is your fault. You knew this was going to (laughs) happen. And that quote, no sooner had she said that when the door was flung open to its previous position, two windows had been opened suddenly, started to raise and lower in quick succession, 
It was so violent that when it stopped, a number of the small glass panes were broken, end quote. And he said that things got worse from there, saying that, quote, they would often be splashed in the face by tea, coffee, or soup, sometimes scalding them. Their knives and forks would get twisted out of shape while in their hands. Interesting. The tablecloth had even been pulled from the table, scattering dishes and cutlery across the floor. He seemed to think that the incidences were restricted to his mother's bedroom and the dining room, but within a couple days, it spread throughout the whole house. And not one room was free of activity. So much so, heavy furniture would move with ease across the floor, then return to their previous positions. Some of the younger children had been hit by falling furniture, oh, no. pictures and mirrors, and caused broken bones. This poltergeist being a little rude. Leave the kids alone, bitch. <laughs> right? Leave them alone is not nice. Uh, but it, it wasn't too clear if this was before or after Clem's experience. I'm assuming after, but again, the article wasn't very clear. Then he goes on to talk about an incident on why he moved out, and he said a fire was flickering in the fireplace, and to his surprise, one of the huge metal stands that has, like, the cast iron, like, tool things in it and stuff, mm -hmm. raised in the air and gathered momentum before striking his brother in the temple. He said that he sprung to his feet and that his brother was obviously profusely bleeding and grabbed it to try to protect his brother. And then the and iron wrenched itself free and hit his brother again. He said that he told his brother to run, run for your life. If you stay here, you will be killed and I cannot help you. So like, get the fuck out of here or you're going to die. And I'm not sticking around because I don't want to die. <laughs> the next day, they moved to the other farm, taking only their clothes. To be honest, there was not a lot left of the house to take. And the injuries to his brother took a long time to heal and produced a fever, which he almost died from. So what I found interesting was some little last fast facts to wrap up this story was that reportedly the activities stopped when Alan died in 1877 and then Wealthy died in 1899. So she lived another like 22 years after he died. But when he died, it stopped supposedly. And they kept the home after that in the family, but it would unexplainably burn down in 1925. And after that, the family that was remaining decided that this was a sign to get the fuck out of there because they would move out of state and that would end our story. <laughs> They're like, bye. They're like, nah, fuck this, man. I'm not doing it. I'm not doing it. <laughs> we, don't we don't play. No, we don't play. No, no, no. <laughs> but yeah, so that's the haunted Surrency house, or also sometimes known as the Surrency poltergeist story. I hope you guys enjoyed. We kind of wanted to throw some more spooky stuff in there. Yes, I liked it. I like when we hear spooky stories that you're kind of like, mm, okay, people, okay. I don't know, I like the story. Yeah, it's always fun. It's like a, you know, like an old timey haunted house story. So I thought it was that it was a good one, and I hope you guys enjoyed it. But with that, we are going to go ahead and wrap things up, and we will see you on Monday. Bye. Toodles. Toodles.